we're in a series that we've titled Momentum. Come on, everybody say Momentum. Momentum. And we're talking about this word um, that really has become a theme for us for this next ministry year. Every year we turn into a new season and I just begin to pray and ask the Lord, what do you want this year to be themed? What do you want this year to be about? What do you want us to lean into? And I really felt this word impressed on my heart. And the word momentum by definition means to have forward motion. We give some quick definitions for what that looks like. It's, a, it's the motion of a body moving forward. It's, it's strength or force gained by motion. We were actually at a, a fall festival and we were with the Bussy family yesterday and I saw Ilsie, she walked her kids up the little hill and she said, look, that's momentum right there. And I said, that's it right there. That's, that's what our church is in. That the Holy Spirit is pushing us into a place of forward motion. And when I say church, I don't just mean an event that you go to. Come on, amen? I'm talking about a family you belong to. So that means every family member that's a part of this house um, would have forward motion on your life. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us. And we're looking at how does that happen. There's three areas that I, I really feel led to lead our church in in the context of momentum. The first one is, is family. Family momentum is something that we've been talking about for the past several weeks and how God is not just looking for an event for people to go to. He's looking for a family that people can belong to. That Jesus is, is the one who came from heaven to die on the cross for our sins, to shed his blood, to rise from the grave, to ultimately adopt people into the family of God. That how can we be born again into a new family? It's through faith in the Son. So today, we don't want you to be a spiritual orphan floating around the city trying to figure out where to find bread. Oh, you can find bread in the bread of life. You can find the water for your soul in the living water that Jesus provides that never runs dry, that you would be a part of his family. And so we're excited about the family of God. We're excited about the local church family. In fact, there's a join the family membership class happening right across the hallway uh, right now. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't joined the Walk Church family and you're thinking about that, start in November. November, the first Sunday of the month, we're going to have our session one, and then we're just going to repeat uh, again, and so I want to encourage you to go through that course and that class. It happens on 1045 on the first three Sundays of the month. That's how you can join the family here at Walk Church. The, the next word that I wanted us to experience momentum in is the word leadership. And last week, we talked about the word leadership, and I, I really took that, that f- those first four letters of the word leadership. It's the word lead, and I talked about what we mean when we say lead. Here's why it's important, because I believe if you went to 10 different churches and said, what do you define as a leader? You get 10 different answers. In fact, your organization that maybe you work for or the school that you go to would probably have a different definition for what a leader is or what a leader isn't. And so I wanted to be really clear here at Walk Church, what do we mean when we say leader? So we've been defining the word lead with an acronym and We have our lead class coming up next Sunday as well. If you want to join for that, you can. It's at 1045 right here at the school as well. But I just figured I would bring the class to you, amen? And so we'll go ahead and jump in, and we gave this acronym. I'll put it up here on the screen, L-E-A-D. So when you think about a leader at Walk Church, I want you to think about four words. Last week, 
We gave you the first. Does anybody remember what the L stands for? Ooh, that was, that was unique right there. That was like a... Come on, anybody remember what the L stands for? Okay, it, okay let's just let me give it to you. It stands for learners. Here we go. The L stands for learners. Uh, leaders are learners. We believe that leaders are not know-it-alls. Leaders are learn-it-alls. Leaders don't go in the room and say, okay, the leader's here. Leaders come in the room with their notebook open, ready to get better. Leaders have a posture of saying, you know what? I'm going to lead out of what I've learned. I'm going to lead with humility. I'm going to lead not by showing you I'm a leader. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to lead by influence. I'm going to lead by lifestyle. I'm going to lead by learning. Leaders are learners. So if you ask Haydn, and I want to encourage it to be you as well because you're part of our church I typically correct people when they say, man, Hayden, I love being a part of your church. And I say, man, I love being a part of your church. This is our church, amen? And someone wanted to clap for that. I'm with you. Um, but that we would all have unity on what a leader is. If somebody said to you, what's a leader? You would first say, man, a leader's a learner. That's at least how we define it at Walk Church. And I left you with a cliffhanger last week. We didn't get into the E, but you were so, so anticipating what it would be. I know you were. Well, at least some of you had came up to me and said, ooh, can I guess the E? And there's been so many. There was a gentleman in the first service who had all these papers. He's like, is it this? He threw it. Is it this? I was like, I'm not telling you. You got to wait for the sermon. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you what we mean when we say lead. The E is an important word that I want to talk about today. Can I get a drum roll, please? Can I get a drum roll, drum roll, drum roll? When I say lead, leaders are learners and leaders are Excellent. Y'all were close. Some of y'all were thinking a lot of other good words. Somebody said example, and I was like, that's a good one, too. Somebody said efficient. I was like, that's a good one, too. Somebody said energetic. I was like, these are all good ones. And this is not an exhaustive only list. This is just how we define what a leader is here at Walk Church. And I want to talk to you about these statements because I believe everybody in this room has leadership potential. Oh, let me say it again because I didn't get an Amen. I believe everybody in this room and in that kids' ministry has leadership Amen. potential. Amen? You got to see yourself with that. You, you got to see yourself with this new mentality, this momentum mentality that says, you know what? I, I'm going to walk different this year. I'm going to walk like a leader this year. And that doesn't mean that I got everything together, that means I'm learning. And that means I'm striving for excellence. Let me give you this question. I, I gave it to you the other day, but I'm going to give it to you again. Let me just see how many people. Let me just see if you're, if you're tapped in or not. I'll put this question up on the screen. Who is the greatest leader of all time? Jesus. I like it. Now we're getting somewhere. Greatest leader of all time is Jesus Christ. And I believe that that's not just true for everybody who believes in Jesus, but I believe if you ask any atheist or agnostic or any general or ruler, who's the greatest leader of all time? Many people would refer to the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. I love this quote from John Maxwell. John Maxwell says it like this, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Titles don't have much value when it comes to leading. True leadership cannot be awarded, appointed, or assigned. It comes only from influence. 
And that cannot be mandated. It must be earned. When you think about this statement, leadership is influence, can I ask you this question? Who's had the most influence with one life beyond anybody else who's ever lived? I'm going to really, I'm going to put my money on Jesus. I remember once reading this quote in a European history class. Uh, it, it's a quote that is tagged to the, the great leader Napoleon, who led many armies and was known for his force and command. Napoleon was, was once quoted saying, I have conquered many, many nations and lands through force. Yet Jesus has conquered the world through love. And Napoleon says, and I'm just trying to figure that out. <laughs> because he said, game recognized game. This guy's got more followers than me. And he's not killing anybody. In fact, he died himself for them. Jesus is leading differently and he's influencing differently. The greatest influencer of all time is still King Jesus. If you go to any Barnes and Noble or if you go to Amazon, the number one top selling book of all time till this day is still his book. People are still fascinated on, on what he has to say. And why? Well, because he's so much more than a book. He is the word become flesh. He is living among us. He died. He rose. He's coming again. And his spirit is alive and active here today. We're not just worshiping based off of theory. We're worshiping based off of life change. Come on. Anybody have their life just changed by Jesus? Amen. Powerfully, radically. Oh, I see my sister Ruth Casella right here. I remember, Ruth, you reading some of your journals that you wrote 30, 40 years ago when Jesus radically saved your life. And here you are till this day, continuing to worship him. I love your detail of, here's how Jesus encountered my, blew up my world. And I've never been the same. Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time. Now, I'm, go, I'm going somewhere with this, all right? Just, just, just stick with me. Now, if Jesus was the greatest influencer of all time, and can I just add to Jesus' reputation, his credentials, that Jesus never sinned? That Jesus is the picture of perfection? I mean, many people have tried to find a fault in King Jesus, but it's not there. I just want to submit to you today, Jesus always said the right thing at the right time. Jesus always made the right decision the right way. He perfectly executed the Father's will for his life. And he is the sinless Savior. That's why he can save sinners. Because he lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we deserved to die. He rose from the grave. We would stay dead. And, and he is the sinless Savior. By every definition of the word excellence, Jesus is it. I would submit to you here today, not only Jesus is Jesus the greatest leader of all time, Jesus is the greatest excellent leader of all time. Now watch this. Let me just use some gospel math. I'll put this statement up here on the screen. Because Jesus was and is excellent, come on, we should be as well. Some of y'all are not sure if you want to agree with that or not. Here's why. Because I've realized that excellence clashes with non-excellence. And if you're going to have an excellent spirit and you're going to be an excellent leader, that means there's some things that are going to have to go. There's going to be some unexcellent patterns in your life that are just not going to make the cut this year because you got momentum on your life, because you're striving for a different standard. What standard is that? That's an excellent standard. 
I want to encourage you to take this idea today and start to lay it over your life. What does the word excellent mean? Let me give you that answer. Excellent, by definition, we'll start with dictionary.com, possessing outstanding quality, remarkably good. So if your standard is, I like to do things good, all of a sudden that leveled up to remarkably good. Does that make sense? Uh, Extremely good. Outstanding. I want to talk to you today about what does it mean to live a life that's excellent? What does it look like for you to have an excellent marriage? What does it look like for you to have an excellent team? What does it look like for you to have an excellent work environment? I'm being convicted by this right now. What does it look like for the inside of your car to look excellent? Oh, man. What does it look like for you to have an excellent closet? I'm not talking about the, the, the branding of clothes. I'm talking about how it looks. What does it look like for you to have excellent breath? Come on, somebody. (laughs) Oh, I'm speaking right now. I'm going to preach this thing today. I think that you need to have a new mentality this year. If you want to be a leader, leaders are learners. Leaders are excellent. I want us to look at somebody in the Bible today, right? Jesus is conforming us to his image. The, the more we walk in Jesus, the more he makes us like him. He's making us excellent. He's setting us apart. And there's a guy that's in the Bible that I think we can learn from that I've really been inspired by when it comes to this topic of excellent leadership, when it comes to influence, that, that we can learn from a leader in the Old Testament and then continue to work our way to Jesus in the New and be inspired by here today. It's this cat named Daniel. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Daniel, but I want to give you that assignment today to just maybe start to dig into the book of Daniel. Just visit this book. We're not going to spend a lot of time, but just today for this sermon, I want to introduce you to the character of Daniel. Daniel was a Jewish man. He was a Israelite who was transported to a Persian empire where he was then given a new name, a new assignment into a new culture where he then had to learn how to survive, learn how to live, learn how to do a new job, learn how to respect new people. He had to learn a new diet. He was all types of different challenges on Daniel's life. There was three other guys with him. Praise God he didn't go alone. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, Um, the, the hot boys. I love those brothers. And they're there with Daniel and they're, 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 they're placed into a culture that is new. And they're learning how to lead within this foreign environment. Let me just pause right there for a second. For every person who's claimed the name of Jesus, if today you would say, yeah, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you live in a foreign environment. Once you become a Jesus follower, what does Jesus say? He goes, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. He said, oh, you'll catch me there, but I'm not from here. When you become a a Jesus follower and you get a new identity in Christ, all of a sudden that puts you in a foreign culture here in Las Vegas, and you're learning how to live and move differently. And Daniel was that guy. So in Daniel chapter 6, if you want to open up your Bibles there with me, we'll look at these five verses and really get some leadership material through Daniel's life that is thoroughly biblical. My intention today is not just to give you a leadership motivational talk. My intention is to give you a sermon based out of God's word that is explicitly about leadership. Do you get the difference? I believe every Christian, every disciple is called to be a leader. Unapologetically. That that means the youngest person in the room, 
You got leadership potential. The oldest person in the room, you got leadership potential. If you're with me, say you're with me. If you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Okay, Daniel 6, here we go. It pleased Darius, who was the king at the time, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Did y'all just catch that? Let me read verse 3 one more time for those who were sleeping. Uh, Then this Daniel became, everybody say this word. He became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse 4. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Verse five, last verse. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. I want to talk to you today about an excellent spirit. Look at verse 1 with me of Daniel 6. Just to get the context right, we're going to learn some principles here from his life. So you got this guy named Darius who has been given all this authority over the Persian Empire. He is leading. He is pagan. He doesn't believe in the God of the Bible, but he's trying to figure out how to do this leadership role. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now, does anybody know what a satrap is? I don't either. All right, let's keep going. I'm just, just, my bad. A satrap was an individual who was chosen to be a governor over one of the provinces. So Darius, he appoints 120 governors to govern all of the different regions within the territory. Does that make sense? So you got 120 governors to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them, three high officials. So over the satrap governors were three officials, of whom Daniel was one of those officials. What was it in Daniel that made Darius the king say, I'm going to appoint this Hebrew, this Israelite, to be a leader over all the governors? It had to have been something about him that made him decide this. Continues, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king would, might not suffer no loss. There was something about Daniel's spirit. Hear me, there was something about Daniel's attitude. There was something about the way Daniel led that the king could trust him. He was Nehemiah-like. He had a spirit about him where the king said, I could actually put you over all of the governors because I know I'm not gonna take a loss that way. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. So now Daniel, not only did he rise up to be one of the leading officials, but now he's leading the officials. Do you guys see it? He distinguished above all the other officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. So the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. How do you get influence like this? Come on, church, hear me on this. How do you get influence like this? I want to go ahead and I want to double click on what he had. I want to say, hey, Daniel, give me what you got. Daniel 
had an excellent spirit. There was an excellent spirit in him. He was carrying something. Whatever room Daniel went into, he carried an excellent spirit with him. And the challenge I want to leave you with here today is do you have that spirit? Do you have an excellent spirit? Do you have a disorganized spirit? In fact, some translations would interpret the word spirit as attitude. It says that because he had an excellent attitude, do you got an excellent attitude or a bad attitude? Do you got an excellent attitude or you got a complainer attitude? Do you got an excellent, confident, optimistic attitude? This cup has always been half full. Or do you have a woe is me, everything's bad, nobody likes me attitude? I'm not a leader. I don't know if you have been told lies growing up that you're not good enough or strong enough or smart enough or pretty enough or handsome enough, but I want to tell you here today that God has fearfully and wonderfully created every individual that is in this room here today, and God has placed leadership potential in every single individual in this room here today, and if you could possess a spirit of excellence in what you do, you can see Daniel-type results in your life as well. I believe that for everybody watching online right now and everybody in this room right now, it starts with your attitude. If you turn a bad attitude into an attitude of gratitude, it might change the way you look at life. It might change the way you look at your home. It might change the way you look at your situation. Your situation might just turn negative into a positive just now, just by the change of attitude. Amen? You just changed the way you saw something. You saw it from his eyes, not your eyes, and all of a sudden it became excellent. All of a sudden, it became an opportunity. This was, this was Daniel. Daniel said, I'm not going to sit back and wait to be excellent. I don't need to be paid to be excellent. I'm going to start distinguishing myself now. I want to, come on, somebody just say this right now. Tap your neighbor and say, distinguish yourself. Distinguish yourself. Distinguish yourself. You got to distinguish yourself. Now, maybe you're like me. You don't quite know what that word means. Let me help you out, okay? The word distinguish means to mark as separate or different. That means you might have to move differently this year. You might say, you know what? Honestly, somebody might say, man, you're kind of different. And you might say, I know. I'm, getting, I'm distinguishing myself. I'm different. I'm excellent. We live in a culture that is not excellent that values excellence but doesn't strive for excellence. All of a sudden, the new, the new normal, the new standard is laziness or just do what you want or good enough's good enough or just do as much as you can to, to not get fired. <laughs> That's not excellent. Excellent is extremely good, not just good. Excellent, in fact, the definition is out. Standing. How are you going to separate yourself? How are you going to get different by having an excellent spirit? I want to talk to you about how to do that um, through the life of Daniel. And I believe the characteristics that we see in the life of Daniel are also reflected and even more on display in the life of Jesus. First point for my note takers in the room, how to have an excellent spirit. Number one, excellence separates. When I talk about the word distinguish, it's, it means that you're different. Excellence 
separates. And when I talk about separates, here's what I mean. Let me be clear. It separates you from unexcellence. What are you separating from? You're separating from the spirit that's not excellent. There's all of a sudden a war going on within you where you say, you know what? I'm not going to be the same person I'm separating even from parts of myself that are not going to come with me into this new season. Why? Because this, new, this next season is going to be an excellent season. It's going to look different. I've been checking out this book recently. It's called The Daniel Dilemma. We have it in our bookstore um, today if you want to pick up a copy. It's written by a pastor named Chris Hodges who pastors a church in Birmingham, Alabama called Church of the Highlands. And he wrote this book because he really was learning from Daniel himself on what does it look like to be a Daniel in America. The dilemma to say, I'm, in a, I'm a Christ follower in a foreign culture. Our culture praises and celebrates oftentimes things that our Savior doesn't. So how do I be a, a, a Daniel? How do I have an excellent spirit? One of the things Chris Hodges says is like this. He says, in order to make a difference, you must be different. Yeah. If you want to make a difference, that's one of our vision statements, right? We want to help every person know God, every person find community, every person discover their purpose, and every person make a difference. How are you going to make a difference? Well, you got to be different. you got to have a difference that you know how to make. I see this in the life of Daniel. Daniel distinguished himself amongst the rest. And I believe if you follow Jesus for long enough, you'll see him do the same thing in you. Jesus lived a lifestyle that was different. People flocked to watch Jesus because they wanted to see the decisions he would make. They wanted to hear the message he would preach. Can I just tell you that Jesus' number one goal in your life right now is making you more like him? Oh, some of y'all are looking at me like y'all don't know. Let me give you Romans 8, verse 29. Look at this verse with me on the screen. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What does that mean? That's kind of big theological language. It says that, that the, the Holy Spirit wanted this to be your destiny. He predestined that this would happen in your life. What would happen? That you would be conformed to the image of his son. Can I tell you that Jesus is conforming, molding, shaping you along this journey to make you look and talk and feel and sound more like him? Amen. Change is a part of the journey of following Jesus. Getting uncomfortable, that's what you signed up for. Amen. If you're one of the people today, the man, I just really don't like change. Don't be a follower of Jesus. Give it, I'm giving you the, the disclaimer right up front. Why? Because he's going to change you. Let me tell you this, you're not the goal, he's the goal. You're not the standard. I know that you think that you are all bagged with a bag of chips, whatever that statement is. It's him, fam. Jesus wants to mold you into his image. And can I just tell you, he's excellent. And that's gonna cause you to be at war with the flesh. That's going to cause you to be at war with sin. That's going to cause you to be at war with a spirit that's not excellent. I want to encourage you to take that challenge here today and say, you know what? I'm going to pursue excellence. You know what pursuing excellence looks like? It's Christ in you. If the excellent one lives in you, he's going to live through you. You're probably going to hear me say this every single week. The Christian life is not you 
working hard for Jesus. The Christian life is Jesus living his life through you. The Christian life is not you think, okay, now I got to be the best Jesus follower. I got to do, I got to do it for God. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is actually you surrendered to him, allowing Jesus to live and lead through you. Jesus will lead with excellence because he's an excellent leader. I would say that's, that's our hope today. What's the hope of humanity? It's Christ in you. Let me give you this verse out of Colossians 1. Colossians 1 verse 27. Here's what, here's what Paul writes to the Colossian church. He says, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of this, the glory. In other words, how are all the Gentiles, what's a Gentile? Somebody who doesn't believe what you believe. A Gentile is just a non-Christian or a non-Jew. A Gentile is somebody who doesn't believe in the God we believe in. Now, how is God going to make known his great riches to them? How is he going to do it? Here's how he's going to do it. Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Can I tell you today your greatest hope to live the Christian life is Christ in you? Let me give you an elementary definition for Christian. Somebody says, what is a Christian? You should just say it like this. It's a mini Jesus. We're, we're, we're all little mini Christs. Christ in us. What's a Christian? It's Christ living his life through us. As we follow Christ, he empowers us to do that. Even there's this really interesting verse in Philippians chapter two. If you get a chance, go check it out. It says that we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And at that moment, you might think, okay, there's my verse. I got to do the work. And he says, and even in doing that, it's Christ who's working in you to produce the work through you. It's him. Amen. Here's what I want to tell you. As Jesus lives his life through you, you're going to make a difference. I, Jesus can't help but to change the world. He's going to do it through you. Excellence separates from a spirit that's not excellent. So I want to put that in front of you today. What are the areas in your life that you just need to start getting excellent? Remember the definition. Not just good, but, but, but very good. Outstanding, increasingly good. Let me give you point number two from Daniel's life. Excellence motivates Excellence motivates. So excellence separates from a non-excellent spirit. If you're a leader, write that down. And excellence motivates. I want to encourage you to be motivated toward excellence today. I want to challenge you with this thought to change your motivation to have a new standard. I remember catching this principle when I was in college and I was playing college basketball and basketball has been a huge part of my life journey and story in, into meeting Jesus. And I remember when we were doing conditioning, getting ready for uh, my upcoming season, when I was in college, and we had this, this conditioning moment leading into the, to the start of the season where we had to do these things called suicides. I don't know if anybody knows what a suicide is, but they're super annoying, super frustrating. Athletes in the room feel me. And we had to do 20 suicides in 20 minutes and I, I showed up, and I didn't have an excellent spirit. Can I just confess that today? Like, oh, man, we got to do this. And here's how you do a suicide. There's, a, there's the baseline on the court. You touch the line with your foot. Then you run. You touch the free throw line. Then you run back. 
You test the baseline, then you test the half court line, then you run back and test, and so and so, 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 so on, right? You test the lines. And if I can just be completely honest today, I made the decision, I ain't going to touch all the lines. Can I get an amen from some? Don't amen that. <laughs> and so I was, I had this mentality, if the coach isn't watching, I might stop right here and then stop right here. And when I became a Christian, I realized the coach is watching. I realized I can't cheat on my suicides. Why? Because my motivation's different. Can I tell you this here today? One of the reasons why you should strive for excellence is because God is worthy of excellence. One of the reasons why you should put it on your goal list and be motivated to be excellent in everything you do, say, and think, here's why. Because God deserves excellence, amen? amen? God is worthy of our excellent life. God deserves an excellent life. God deserves and is worthy and woke you up and gave you breath and gave you an opportunity so that you could be excellent and give him glory. Amen? Is God not worthy? Of it all? Maybe this is a conviction alert. I know it was for me. God decided to make you, fashion you, shape you, put breath in your lungs, put the Holy Spirit in you, give you a heart that beats, give you a lungs that are allowing you to breathe, give, give you eyes to see, give you an opportunity, and you are squandering, some of you are squandering all the things that God has given you. Why? Because you're not living excellent. Because you've chosen to live below the life that God has called you to live. I want to encourage you to start thinking more excellent about your diet, more excellent about what you put into your ears. Start to think more excellent about what you watch on your screen. Amen? Start to think more excellent about what you do with your time, where you go, what you spend your money on. Do you have an excellent spirit today? Daniel had an excellent spirit. It motivated him toward progress. This has been the journey of Walk Church. We started our church in a little condo in the upper room, my mom's apartment she let me use. We started with a handful of people up there. We didn't have all these lights. We didn't have all of these drapes. We didn't have this stage, but we just continued to pursue the Lord and pursue excellence. Now, let me ask you this. Can you think of any place that kind of feels a little bit more, for lack of a better word, disturbing than a middle school cafe? <laughs> but we have a goal here to make it excellent. We want to take what God has given us what have you put in our hands, God? How can we make it excellent? Amen? I want you to look at everything that God has given you and say, Lord, how can I make this excellent? And I believe the Holy Spirit will start to get into every part and place of your life and say, hey, I'm calling you to be excellent. My prayer for Walk Church, when I think about leadership momentum, is that whenever anybody gets around somebody that calls Walk Church home, they go, man, I'm starting to sniff excellence. You ever been around excellence? It's contagious. Excellence will jump on you. Excellence will make you want to be more excellent. And I want to encourage you with that reality here today, that that's the standard that Jesus has called us to. Maybe today when you leave here, you might say, I got a new goal for my life. 
is to be excellent. I was walking uh, up to the join the family class earlier with Pastor Mike. We were making sure that the library was all set up and that it was excellent. And along the way, I stopped and I was just picking up different pieces of trash. I don't say that to say pat me on the back. I just say I value excellence. I was actually um, here on Friday night with my wife, Nina. I'm glad that you're here right now. Let me shout you out for a second. Let me honor you. Nina and I were here on Friday night, and Nina was getting the classrooms all set up for the 412, and shout out to the amazing team that was helping get those classrooms set up. And I noticed that, amen, we can clap for that. To the people that value excellence. And I noticed that Nina was going through all these little bins. There's this car bin and there's these puzzle bins. And there was a lot of the stuff that got all jammed and mashed together in the, in the specific categorical bins. And right, rightfully so because kids love to play and put everything everywhere, right? But I noticed that Nina just began to sort all the bins to get all the cars back in the car bin. To get all the puzzles back in the puzzle bin. To get all the stories back in the story area. And you know what Nina looked at me and she goes, I want this room to be excellent. Why? Because God's worthy of excellence. And your kids deserve it. And you might say, man, my kid don't even deserve it. Well, at Walk Church, we say they do. At what? I can't speak for every church, but my prayer is when you get around Walk Church leaders, you sense excellence. We don't cheat the suicide drill. We touch all the lines. If you're part of this church family, hit the lines. If you're part of this church family, don't cheat at the workplace. Be a Daniel. Model excellence. If you're part of this church family, wear some deodorant. Come on, amen? (laughs) Smell good. Brush your teeth. Be excellent. Let me go ahead and say something. I'm I'm, I'm, going to be honest with you. Is this too much? Is this too much? Listen to me. You don't have to have a lot of money to be excellent. You don't have to be rich to have an excellent attitude. You don't have to have a lot of money to hold the door. You don't have to have a lot of money to make eye contact. You don't have to have a lot of money to stop and smile. I was teaching my kids that just this past week, walking with my four-year-old and my three-year-old into preschool. We walk in, somebody stops and says, hey, good morning, guys, welcome. And they just decide to just keep walking. I said, stop, stop, stop. Turn, eye contact, look, she asked you a question. She made a statement. Respond. Be excellent, four-year-old. <laughs> Learn this stuff now. This is called responding. This is called eye contact. Look at somebody. You don't have to be, you don't have to have a big degree to do that. To have a Daniel spirit, Daniel got placed in a territory, in an area that was foreign and unknown, he could have made every excuse in the world to not be excellent. But Daniel said, I don't don't need an excuse-making spirit. In fact, how far has excuse-making gotten anybody? I would say today, we don't got time to make excuses, but we do got time to be excellent. Trade excuses for excellence and watch your life turn around. I would say excellence motivates. It should motivate the husband to be an excellent husband. Amen? Oh, someone wanted to clap for that. I'm sure all the wives were like, yeah, let me go ahead and clap for that. The the, the standard is excellence. It should motivate the wives to be excellent. Amen? (laughs) Come on. 
Is this not the biblical standard for wives? Let me look at Proverbs 31. So we look at the Proverbs 31 women. An excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Why? Because she's excellent. We got to change our standards. Our standards can't just be, yeah, I'll just do enough. To, no, I'm going to be excellent. Check this out. We live in a culture where we've championed just touching the suicide line. Can I tell you, that's the sta- that's, you should do that anyway. To do it excellent is to go past the line. Daniel was that type of dude who showed up early and was like, all right, everybody. I brought breakfast for everybody. I brought drinks for everybody. We're going to knock these suicides out today. Come on, and I'm going to lead the pack. Something about Daniel moved King Darius to say, I want this cat over everything. I don't care if he believes in a different God than me. I want him to lead the governors, and I want him to lead the officials that lead the governors. He's got an excellent spirit. I'm telling you, this has been convicting for me. For me, because there's areas in my life where I'm like, this is kind of average. This isn't kind of excellent. We've been working on our ministry office here at Walk Church. So you know what? This office could be excellent. It's cool, but it could be excellent. What do we got to do to make it excellent? And why not? With the time that God's given us, with the life that's got, with the breath that God's given us, why not be excellent? Come on, somebody say be excellent. Be excellent. Be excellent. We're changing the standard here for what a leader is at Walk Church. Let me give you the third and final point, and then we'll close out this time with worship. Excellence advocates. So here's the three points. Excellence separates right? We see that on display. What do I mean by that? Distinguish yourself. Distinguish yourself above the rest. Excellence separates. Excellence motivates. You got a new standard. You got a new goal now. It's not just, it's not just living for myself. I'm living for him, and Christ is living through me. And friend, excellence advocates. Let's look at the verse of scripture in Daniel chapter 6 one more time. Daniel 6, come on, let's read it. Let's look at it together. I want you to see what happens here. So it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, those governors, to be throughout the whole kingdom. Over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials. Why? He had an excellent attitude, an excellent spirit. Well, then the high officials, watch this, Because sometimes when you're excellent, it makes other people who are not excellent feel insecure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes when you're actually living a godly life, the people that aren't living a godly life want to throw shade at you. But it's really because they just want what you got. An excellent spirit. So so then the high officials, right, they began... They, they, they began to try to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. The satraps and the high officials, they gather together. This is demonic right here. They say, you know what? Let's, let's get Daniel off of this opportunity. Let's find a complaint regarding the kingdom. But listen to me. His excellence spoke for him. They said, hey, let's find a complaint against Daniel so that we can bring this up to Darius. We can get him booted out of his role. But listen, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault. Why? He was hitting every line. 
They said, let's go back and watch the video replay. Dang, he actually touched the lines. Daniel didn't take the money out of the drawer. Daniel didn't clock out when he wasn't supposed to. Daniel didn't slander or gossip about his neighbor. Daniel didn't cheat on the test. Daniel actually did the reading. Oh, Lord, help us with the reading. Come on, students, can I get an amen? No, that was me in college. When I became a believer, I just realized, you know what? The Lord's sitting right here with me. He's in me. They couldn't find a complaint because he was faithful. No error or fault was found in him. Next verse. These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God because he is passionate about his God. His excellence spoke for him. The loudest advocate and defender for your life, you know what it'll be? Your lifestyle. Your excellence will be the one who champions your life if you start to pursue an excellent spirit today. I want to give you a verse that I've actually never heard preached on. I'm going to share a verse with you. I've never heard anybody preach on it. I've never heard anybody touch it. In fact, if anything, I've only heard people misuse it. So I just want to share it with you real quick because maybe this will reinforce the reality that excellence is a good standard to have. Let me show you this verse out of Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse 48. Come on, read it with me. Ready, set, go. You, therefore, must be perfect. Someone dropped a bottle right there like. I mean, how many people have you just heard, hey, God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Come on, God doesn't, you know, God knows. He, he doesn't expect for you to be Where is that verse? That verse is in second hesitations. Come on. Ain't in there. This is mid-sermon, Jesus. Second point, Sermon on the Mount. Go to look at Matthew 5, verse 48. Jesus, just getting warmed up, says, you must be perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Why should you have a standard of excellence? Christ does. Now listen to me. Hear me. Don't, don't, don't cut this little clip out and end it right here. There's more content to be shared. Let me go ahead and share this too. Jesus knows you won't be able to hit that standard. Jesus is well aware you will not be able to attain perfection. Our sinful nature will get the best of you at some point. You will fall into sin. The wages of sin is death. But our God is a God of grace. And a God of mercy, he gives us what we don't deserve. He lives the perfect life for us, but he never tells us to not strive for what he attained in our place. Now, he knows we're not going to be able to hit the target. That's why he died for you before you even existed. He knew you weren't going to do it. Jesus already outed you. He said, you're not going to hit this. But he never softened it. Praise God for grace. That the perfect one is perfecting us while we pursue perfection. But he never decreased the calling on our lives. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now you won't be and that's why you need Jesus. So keep going back to that well that never runs dry every single day. Every morning the mercies are new, but don't stop pursuing it. Oh, let me give you a leadership quote from the great coach Vince Lombardi. Let me give you a little Vince Lombardi in the sermon today. Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. Amen? Oh, that'll win you a championship right there. Come on. 
perfection, you might not be able to get there. In fact, you're not going to be able to get there. But if you chase it, you'll catch excellence. Not in a way to earn favor with God. That can only happen through Jesus. He's the only perfect one. We started with him. But along this journey of following Jesus, oh, be excellent, leader. Be excellent in what you do. Be excellent in what you say. When you miss it, apologize. Make it right because you're excellent. Make the right decision, the wise decision. I remember one, one older gentleman once pulled me aside. He said, Hyde, give you some wisdom. If you don't want to get caught, don't do nothing wrong. I was like, all right, fair enough. Be excellent. Be excellent. Learn from Daniel. Learn from Jesus. Walk this thing out. Walk by faith. That is what we, what we mean when we say E for leader. Amen? Amen. Father, we pray now in Jesus' name. And God, we ask you to help us on this journey. God, we are well aware we can't do it ourselves. We're well aware that we need your help. In our own strength, we're not excellent. We're fallen. We're lost. But today, you can do it, Jesus. And we pray that you would. So today, if you don't know him, I want to invite you to get to know him. Today, if you have not received him, I want to invite you to receive him. Come on, just pray this with me right now. Just say, Jesus, I'm ready. I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, the author, the the finisher. Save me. Change me. Rearrange me. I want to be excellent. I want to walk in you. Live your life through me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me born again to your family for your glory. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Turn from my sins. I turn to you, God. I may not know what tomorrow looks like, but I know you're already there. Lead me. Strengthen these hands. Guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, I want to pray one more prayer for every believer and leader in this room. Lord, help us to be learners. Yes, God. And help us to be excellent. Yes, God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.